Hey, it's Jen Garrett here, and welcome to the Move the Ball podcast. I've helped thousands of people to develop their own personal game plan to achieve that next level of greatness. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies of professional athletes, Fortune 500 executives, and successful entrepreneurs to elevate your hustle and get you across your goal line. So get ready. It's your time to move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball community for quite some time, I'm glad that you're here with us today. Also, something that I want to mention before we get into today's show is that you guys know that this podcast is really about giving you tools, strategies, habits, advice, and things you can put into your playbook to help you achieve those big goals that you have in your life. So be sure to check out the show notes as in there, you'll find my goal setting worksheet. It's there for you to to download, and I'm sure you'll find it a useful resource to help you stay focused. And feel free to share it with others you know who are out there wanting to chase some big dreams. All right, so now let's get into today's show. I'm really excited for today's guest. Inside the huddle with us and ready to help us to move the ball is Spencer Ware. Spencer is a running back who played college football at Louisiana State University at LSU, fellow SEC school. And he was drafted in the sixth round of the 2013 draft by the Seattle Seahawks. And the Seahawks went on to win a Super Bowl that year. Spencer then went on to play for multiple other teams, including the Kansas City Chiefs twice, where he won a second Super Bowl in 2019. Spencer, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so glad that you could join us. I know we've talked a couple times here recently about having you on the show, so I'm glad we're able to make it happen. Let's start off our conversation talking about football and how you got into it and what made you fall in love with the game. So when I started out playing, I was seven years old. I was scared. I was so terrified of not getting injured. I didn't know if I was going to be good enough, fast enough, big enough, or strong enough. I was already an athlete. I used to tumble, um, flip gymnastics, however you want to call it, and played baseball. So when I got introduced to football, like I said, I was scared. And those nerves propelled me forward to not want to be embarrassed or to want to be able to help my team in any type of way. And I just became good at it. I fell in love with it. Um, I I believe that my first game, the first time I touched the ball, I scored a touchdown, maybe 60 yards and spiked the ball and did a little dance. Of course, I got a penalty because you're not allowed to celebrate in Little League. So that was a great first experience for me. And what was it about football that made you fall in love with it? I like the unity with it. I like the brotherhood of it. I think that made me fall in love with it. I always wanted an older brother. I'm the oldest um, of my mother. For my father, uh, I'm the only boy. always wanted to, you know, have an older brother, someone that can teach me the road, some people that I can learn from. So with being part of a football team and an organization, we have kids that are older, that we are around. And we have kids that were obviously better, uh, more faster. But like I said, it was the brotherhood. So that would kept me within a game and made me love it. And for us to go out there and to win a championship, um, I believe we won the Super Bowl almost every year besides two when I was in Little League. For everyone to come together collectively from around the city with different backgrounds and demographics, 
it was amazing. It made us really blind to everything else that was going on at home and even in the real world. And you bring up a really good point. I mean, I've heard that from a number of folks that have been on the show about the unity and how football and team sports bring people from all walks of life together. And it's about coming together for a common objective. It doesn't matter your your socioeconomic status, your religion, any of that is not important. It's about playing together as a team and winning championships. People often say that the game of football is very similar to the game of life. And I mean, this is something I write about in my book, Move the Ball, and I talk about quite a bit. And when you look at all of the lessons that you've learned over the years playing football and being a competitive athlete, can you share with us some of those lessons that have really helped you to be successful beyond the game? One thing is to always be prepared. Do the best, absolute best that you can. Do everything in your power um, to be prepared for the unprepared. To kind of elaborate on that, in life, well, in football, you're going to have to make adjustments. You talk to the coaches, you're not going to know everything. It's a battle of the minds. It's a chess game. It's competitive. There's spectators. There's people watching. There are critics. So you have to be able to adjust and adapt. Absolutely. And I think those type of instincts carry over significantly in the everyday life because you never know what tomorrow brings. I mean, you never know what's going to happen. It can be something tragic or it can be something good, but whatever happens, you want to be as prepared for it as possible. Completely agree with that. Yes. And uh, something that I I recently had uh, coach Mickey Joseph, who's now the assistant head coach and wide receivers coach at LSU, talking about blocking out the noise because there's always people that have their opinions and you need to just stay focused and be prepared for whatever comes your way. And to your point, just, you know, adapting and adjusting. That's something that's been a common theme on this show is how people have adjusted and adapted over the past year with COVID. Can you talk to us for a minute about that? How have you personally adjusted with everything that's been going on uh, in the world over the past 15 months? I mean, I've been keeping my head down and, you know, using this time to my advantage to spend time with my family, you know, work on healing my body, my mind, just, I mean, everything. and have positive thoughts. Just try to have good faith in my words and and in my thoughts. There's always something that's going to happen. We we lose life. That's one thing that's guaranteed. Everything else in this life is not guaranteed, but we know for sure one day we will expire. Can't be afraid of it and we can't let that hold us back. And that's one thing that I preached in my household. There's a lot of freak accidents that happen. A lot of illnesses that that happened. I just, just had, you know, someone just passed that was 32 years old, just out the blue. And it's just like, man, we take so much things, so many things for granted. Like I said, as far as our family or even as far as our dreams or our goals, the things that makes us unhappy. So I feel like in this time, it, it gave, like I said, myself and also those around me some time of reflection and to really just get back to the fundamentals, but still put in the work. Absolutely. Yes. I think there's a lot of people that have taken time over the past year to really reflect and assess their priorities. And to your point, I mean, tomorrow is never guaranteed. That's how the cliche goes. But I think when you really live by that, then you spend your days more intentionally and with purpose and your life is so much more enriched because of it and how you spend that time. Absolutely. So let's talk about you playing uh, football at LSU. You also played some baseball at LSU too. Talk to us about that experience. 
definitely an eye-opener as far as for life. Uh, we think about responsibility, being on your own, and holding yourself accountable. You know, making sure I was, you know, making it to class, not being late to meetings and things like that. I failed multiple times at some of those tasks. But, man, I feel like you never really get it. I feel like it's, it's, it's a real grind, and you got to be committed to the work ethic with that. With playing two sports in college and obviously being a student, I had no time, no time basically to myself or to come back home or to take any breaks. I, you know, lacked in a few areas. Uh, could have been time management, could have been priorities. But as it went on, I got the hang of it. I mean, it took me, honestly, until really I got to the NFL to make that click in my head like okay now it's a, really a job it's more so like a day-to-day thing um i have some security in it because on a collegiate level we still know that it's still not guaranteed that you will graduate and get a high good paying job to help you and your family it's not guaranteed that you will make it to the nfl or the professionals wherever whether it's in football or baseball so as i got i want to say about 21 22 is when it really kind of clicked to me what I'm doing, my reasoning behind it, and how I can incorporate this into my lifestyle and continue it for, you know, a lifetime instead of it being momentary. So you mentioned that it didn't click until you got into the NFL. What was it about the NFL that made you realize these things? I mean, obviously, when I, I'll ask a lot of uh, players about how the, the NFL is different than playing in college. Some of them will talk about the speed of the game being different. Some of them will talk about, you know, realizing that the NFL is a business. What was that realization for you that made that light bulb click for you? So the realization was the first time I was in Seattle. Um, I got a little bit off the field trouble. Um, I got a DUI and the following year I was, you know, working out with them. I wound up getting in trouble again. I didn't get released because of that, but it was one of the reasons why I mean, it's a deciding factor, I would believe so. I think it was that moment right there when it was like, you can't take this moment for granted. Like this is this is an opportunity that comes once in a lifetime. So when you think about these moments in life, you know, we may take for granted and it made me think about my mother. It just made me get more serious about my craft. Um, about my business, who I was around, and, you know, what I was doing. So that was definitely a wake-up call. It had to be taken away in order for me to realize it. And that's why I'm, you know, telling my story. So, therefore, another person, it doesn't have to happen that way. Trent, so talk to us about what did you do after you came to that realization? Like, what changes did you implement so that you could, um, you know, continue in a positive direction? I just stayed back to who I was, the fundamentals. I did the things that I enjoy, you know, drawing, writing, hold myself accountable. I would stick more to a plan, um, a regimen, and the routine. I fell in love with the routine because I was seeing progress. It didn't happen overnight, and it didn't come all at once. It was making significant strides. My game was elevating. I was gaining more you know, respect and trust within the workplace, I became more accountable and accountable. And I started to deliver or execute in those situations where they needed to depend on me, whether if it was on the field or off the field. So I just took very much pride in that. 
that's kind of the process and the mental of what I was what I was going through at that particular time. And as you look back on your NFL career, what would you say is the biggest thing that you'll take away from it, the biggest memory or thing that you'll, you know, when you're sitting in your rocking chair, when you're you know, many decades from now telling kids about how you were in the NFL and what you learned in that experience, what is that one thing that you're really going to remember from your time playing? The walks, the practice. We, we always have about a little five-minute walk the practice of some sort, whether it's, you know, through the facility or if it's outside to another practice field, just with the guys so much. I feel like knowledge and experience just passed through those doors from different people. Um, I'm definitely going to take a bunch of those stories and remember a lot of those men and women that, you know, I've shared those experiences with while I was playing. Oh, that's great. So, what I want to do now is I want to transition off the field. I mean, one of the things that I absolutely love about you, Spencer, is your big heart and your desire to make an impact on people around you and in your community. And so you know, throughout uh, your career, you've done a lot to make a difference working with kids. Um, you also have your Sickle Cell Awareness Foundation. And I know that story and why that's important to you. But I would really like to spend some time here sharing with our listeners why sickle cell disease is important to you and why you created this foundation. So tell us a little bit more about your story. The sickle cell disease affects me. I have the trait. So you have, you can either have the trait or you can have the actual disease. My mother has the disease. My grandmother, my Nana, three of her four children have sickle cell. It's a bad blood disease. It causes extreme pain they call those crisis so the foundation we were created because when I was growing up at the age of seven my mother would never be able to come to my outings or you know show up for some schools things like parent teacher conference or plays or anything like that because she was in a hospital due to sickle cell anemia that became you know my why my passion my burn to okay mother like I know it's hard you can't really work because no one will give you a job because of your sickle cell your condition so it's hard to work it's hard to provide having you know three children she was a single mother three children you know on her own I didn't have rides to practices I didn't have rides to games I didn't even have a ride to school growing up I said man if when I, if I make something out of myself, when I make something out of myself, I'm going to do something to change this because I know I'm not the only person that's affected by it. I have a younger brother that we're nine years apart and it affects him way differently than it affects me. And it has hindered him in a significant way, giving him a lot of anxiety and depression of the thought of losing his mother every time that she goes to the hospital. So as me being the oldest, I started the Sickle Cell Awareness Foundation. We want to support the sickle cell community because I know I'm not the only one that's going through it and be the backbone for the community. On my professional level are multiple players that play with this condition as far as the trait that's affected them in a way, but also to their loved ones like children have the disease or and their mother or any other close relatives. Just how a person's family member may have cancer and it's affecting your day at work. The same applies for us in the NFL or a person that's in the workforce uh, or with regular job, corporate or uh, blue collar job. 
it's the same. And there's not enough awareness out there for it. There's not enough people coming together to support and help and encourage these sickle cell patients, these sickle cell families. And I'm real passionate about it because there's no one out there in the NFL that plays with cancer or MS or Alzheimer's. But we do have players out there that are playing with the sickle cell traits. And there's some out there who have tried to play with the sickle cell disease. But hundreds and thousands of kids die every summer trying to play athletics that have the sickle cell trait or disease. And it's because of the the lack of knowledge that everyone has about the lack of awareness that everyone has about. Most people think that it only affects the African-Americans. But with the interracial relationships that are going on in today's time, everyone should be tested. It don't only affect African-Americans or the minority, it affects all races, ages, and ethnicities. So you're born with the disease. A person has to have the trait in order for you to contract the trait or the disease. And if a person has the disease, then it's a 100% chance that the child will have the disease. I encourage and I'm And that's my passion behind the Sickle Cell Awareness Foundation. And I want people to hear this because we need everyone to come together because we all can relate in some type of way. Yes, we can. And thank you for sharing more about your why and why you started this and how this affects uh, so many people. And tell us, where can people learn more about your foundation? What's your website? The website is scawareness.org. That's scawareness.org. Perfect. And we'll be sure to have that in the show notes too, so people can read more about your foundation and get involved. One of the other things that I wanted to talk about on the show is you also have a clothing line that you started. Yes, Log. Talk to us about, I know you're a very spiritual person. I love the name. I'm definitely a person of deep faith myself. Talk to us about that journey, why you started it, and uh, what you're doing with it now. So yes, Lord, everything that I'm attached to, everything that I put out there into the world, it all has a purpose and it's all in alignment. So the reason I started my foundation is tied to the reason why I started this clothing brand and my story and my mother's story, my career, it's all combined. Started as a faith-based clothing brand, like a faith-based streetwear. It's geared towards bringing the culture together, bringing societies together not judging one another, believing in something. It's religious sensitive. So I have it spelled Y-E-S-L-A-W-D instead of L-O-R-D. It doesn't matter if you believe in Catholic, if you're a Jew, if you Christianity, Muslim, non-believer, whatever you want to call yourself, as long as you believe in something. And if you figure out your reason why, and that's where I get the Y-L from, then you will succeed, you will accomplish your goals, you will reach happiness, you will find purpose in your life. I wanted to put that out there to the world. So therefore, we can give that that gratitude, that thank you to whatever it is that we believe in. We have some that believe in God, we have some that believe in the universe, we have some that believe in Allah, like I repeated myself. And we need to be more open about that and being more grateful with our daily living and that subconsciously, you know, helps us. So when you look in the mirror and you're having a down day 
and things are just not going your way, yeah, things may not be going your way. You just need to revert back to your reason why and do you believe. And you get reminded, then you tell yourself, yes, Lord, but then, yeah, you can speak it. But then also, too, it's socially bonding because two humans, we can agree upon something within the universe or whatever it is that we believe in. We may believe the same thing and we can show that unity by just expressing ourselves by saying, yes, Lord, you know, so I can hear something and not even be a part of the conversation and yell across the room and say, yes, Lord, that's great energy, great transformation of putting people together. Sure. And tell people where can they find your clothing so they can check it out? Yes. It's yes-lawd.com. Perfect. And we'll also have that in the show notes as well. So Spencer, what I want to do to wrap up the show is I want to take you through my two minute drill and ask you some fun questions. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. First one is what did you want to be when you were 10 years old? A football and baseball player. There you go. And that's what you did. All right. My next question is, who would play you in a movie about your life? I got a homeboy. I got a friend named uh, Brandon. We grew up together. He would play me in a movie best about me. How about what is your favorite vacation spot? Um, I like Florida. Any particular spot in Florida? Boca. That's a nice area. All right. How about what is your favorite ice cream flavor? Cookies and cream. Good choice. What book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? Podcast I'm currently listening to is I Am Athlete by Brandon Marshall. Well, I have not checked that out yet, but I've been wanting to, to check it out. So I'm glad you mentioned that's a good reminder for me to, to listen to it. Last question is you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people, living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? I would choose Roger Trotman um, because that's my uncle and I never... Uh, so many things that I want to ask him about his murder, his death, also too about his creativity and mine, and then also too what happened within the family. I would invite Will Smith because I feel like that's just an all-around guy, inspiring. I love his movies. I watch the TV show, um, and he's funny, so he hits all corners uh, for me to want to invite the dinner party. And then um, probably a Seth Rogen. He's like the fun Ethan of the party. I think that'll be a nice appearance for him if I were to have a dinner party. Sure, some good conversation there too, for sure. Absolutely. All right, so as we look to close the show, tell people where can they follow you? You guys can follow me on Instagram, also too on Twitter. My Instagram, you just put in Spencer Ware, um, verify to come up, blue check. Please follow the Yes Lord page. It's Yes Lord 4 on Instagram. And then also to the Sickle Cell Awareness Foundation is on Instagram and also to on Twitter and Facebook. So please follow us and engage and hopefully see you guys out somewhere. Perfect. We'll have all of those in the show notes. So please follow Spencer, follow Yes Lord, follow the Sickle Cell Awareness Foundation and uh, please get involved as well. Uh, Spencer, thank you so much for being on the show today. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.